It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to Locked on NHL, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We'll talk a little bit more about rockauto.com later in the show, but first, hi, it's Monday. My name's Sarah Avampato. I'm your host, also host of Locked on Los Angeles Kings, and we're getting ready to go back to hockey. We are inching towards the return to play scenario finally being enacted. Teams are starting practicing. We've got a schedule for the playoffs for the Stanley Cup. We have all sorts of great stuff. And also, we have a new collective bargaining agreement uh, with relatively little fuss in the public eye, which is honestly far different than pretty much any other CBA negotiation that I have ever seen from this league. The Players Association ratified and approved a new collective bargaining agreement, which its main function is to really get this league through this pandemic crisis. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up in the show. Also on today's show, the New Jersey Devils have a new head coach and a new general manager. And one of these decisions, if you ask our New Jersey Devils host, is better than the other. So on today's show, we've got Trey Matthews, one of the newest hosts on the Locked On Podcast Network, talking to us all about the latest moves from the Devils. But let's get right into it with the new collective bargaining agreement. It is, of course, a big, long legal document, not particularly fun to wade through. If you want a real deep dive into the new CBA, there are, of course, lots of great articles out there on the internet, The Athletic. ESPN, uh, various sites in SB Nation have already done the work to start demystifying what is in there. But today we're going to go over some of the biggest highlights in the CBA, which was, like I said, approved by the Players Association with a vote of 502 to 135 in favor of accepting the new deal. So this new CBA goes through September 2026 with the option to extend a year at the end of it. So this isn't quite the, you know, eight year, 10 year, deal that we had seen before in the past. This is a much shorter, much more targeted approval to basically get everything back to play and to get through, hopefully, the worst of the pandemic. One of the biggest things in the new agreement is the Olympics. Everyone agreed to include language in the CBA saying that players could go to the Olympics in 2022 and 2026, A, pending us ever having the Olympics again, and B, pending an agreement with the International Olympic Committee. So things could technically still fall apart if the NHL and the IOC aren't able to come to an agreement, but the CBA does say that if all things go well, the players will be able to participate, which has been a huge thing for the players. The owners don't like it. The GMs don't like it. Uh, The leadership doesn't like it, but this was a big sticking point for the players. So there's lots of kind of small tweaks and changes to things, but really the biggest things that this CBA addressed are around the issues of escrow and the salary cap. Next season, for the 2020-2021 season, the salary cap is going to be flat, so no raise, $81.5 million. They have officially tied the cap to revenue targets for the NHL. So the cap is going to be $81.5 million until revenue hits $3.3 billion. And that mark 
is really only going to happen if teams are allowed to start having fans next season and are able to play basically a close to or if not full season. Once revenue goes up over $3.3 billion, the cap will start to inch up essentially kind of a million dollars a year. There's sort of a proration for how much the revenue goes up. There's all sorts of math involved, but basically what we're seeing is a flat cap with minimal increases and everyone is going to have to deal with that. If revenue returns to normal next season, if we are allowed to have fans, if life essentially gets back to normal, we will kind of start seeing that million dollar bump every year. There is a very high possibility we're not going to see that. And there's a lot of stuff built into the CBA for essentially dealing with the worst case scenario, which no one wants. No one wants that at all. But they had a lot of foresight in dealing with that and in making sure that they were writing a document that could help this league survive if COVID-19, if the pandemic continues to impact sports beyond this season. The other big thing that came up in the CBA is some slight tweaks to escrow. And so escrow, if you don't know what it is, if you have a hard time understanding it, basically a percentage of players' salaries gets withheld each season in order to maintain the 50-50 revenue split between the owners and the players. If there's an imbalance, if the owners are not up to that 50%, their escrow makes up the difference and then the rest of the money goes back to the players. So basically it's a way to make the owners whole by taking from the players, which when you look at it like that, kind of stinks for the players and no wonder people are upset about it. If you're looking for a baseline from escrow in the past. Uh, ESPN reported by Greg Wyshynski talked about escrow in the 2018-19 season. It was 12.9% with 3.25% going back to the players. So the official escrow loss in that season was 9.65%. Escrow next season is going to be bonkers for the players. It begins at 20% And then over the duration of the agreement will eventually go down to 6%. And there's a bunch of different proposals for how escrow is going to be handled based on what the league's revenue is. Obviously, the more money the league makes, the less escrow is going to be. This decline in escrow is really only going to be possible, much like the raising of the cap, with the combination of rising revenues for teams and that the salary cap is going to go up. The NHL needs to get more money. They need to find more sources for money, particularly if games aren't going to be happening with people. Uh, There's stuff coming up in the future, like a new TV deal in the United States, money that the Seattle franchise is going to bring in, TV deals and stuff from that, that will help to make all of this happen. In a worst case scenario, it's possible that teams aren't going to be made whole from this huge gap of money that they are now missing this year because of the whole season getting derailed, that they're not going to be getting that money back essentially until seven years from now at the end of this collective bargaining agreement. So escrow has been structured to kind of spread out some of that pain for the players by drawing this out over a period of time. Um, And the owners are just going to have to be doing a lot of math, I guess. There's also part of the CBA that is giving players a little bit of a break on escrow by allowing players to defer 10% of their salary from next season into three equal installments in the next three subsequent seasons. So someone could technically stretch out their salary a little bit. And for guys who are maybe getting 
a whole ton of money right now, and maybe the end years of their contracts don't have quite as much, it actually could be smart to spread it out, uh, because the calculations on escrow is going to be different. There are a lot of benefits to the players to deferring if they so choose to. We'll talk more about the new collective bargaining agreement, including changes to free agency and minimum salaries coming up right after this. But first, let's chat about rockauto.com. You're probably someone with a car, and you're someone with a car who is needed to replace parts in it from time to time. And instead of going from store to store, from heading up 25 different websites, from trying to price match and figure out how to get the best deal, why not go to rockauto.com, where you can find any part that you need for your car or your truck. You can go online and check out their catalog, where you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you can choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. You can go on to rockauto.com, you can search by vehicle make, model, year, all that great stuff, and find out exactly what it is you need. And the greatest part of it is that prices are the same no matter who you are. If you're a professional mechanic or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, you're going to be paying the exact same price at rockauto.com. Prices are always reliably low and they have everything you could possibly need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, even new carpet for the inside of your car. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or your truck. When you make an order, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, uh, the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, once you get past all of the changes in the collective bargaining agreement that are about escrow and about the cap and things that are directly in response to this pandemic, you start to see some of the other smaller changes that also affect players. Number one, the minimum salary will be going up a little bit incrementally over the next couple of seasons. Minimum salary next season will stay at $700,000 and then go to $750 for the 2021 22 and 22-23 seasons. Season after that, it will go to 775. So not huge bumps, not the consistent changes that we've seen under this current collective bargaining agreement, but small bumps nonetheless. And this will actually have a kind of weird impact on players who, for example, have structured their deals so that they get paid the minimum salary, but then the rest of their deal is in a big, huge bonus. So you see this a lot in star players, in veteran players, where most of their money that they get paid is in a bonus that gets paid out. So some of those guys, your like league superstars, are actually going to start making a little bit more money once the minimum salary starts going up. A couple other big things in there that I think have been really important to players is that no trade and no movement clauses will now travel with a player who is traded. The example of this uh, that has come up in the discussions about this current CBA is P.K. Subban, who was traded from Montreal right before his no trade clause was supposed to kick in. When he arrived in Nashville, Nashville was not obligated to honor that no trade clause, which enabled him to later be traded to the New Jersey Devils. Now, under this new collective bargaining agreement, that would not be able to happen. He still would have been able to be traded from Montreal to Nashville because that new contract hadn't kicked in yet. But Nashville would not have been able to trade him to New Jersey without him waiving that clause. So that was something I think that players really wanted to see. And so that is has been added to the new CBA. Uh, the other big thing is that teams can no longer include conditional draft picks in trades that are tied 
to a player re-signing with the new team. So for example, Taylor Hall, I believe his trade to Arizona going back the other way to New Jersey included a draft pick that would change or would kick in if he decides to sign with Arizona. Players felt that those trades kind of limited their ability to re-sign with the teams that traded for them. Maybe you wanted that player, but you don't want to give up a first rounder for him. So you just don't sign him. It it takes a little leverage out of the hands of these players. So that is no longer going to be a thing in the future. Who's going to be hurt by this CBA is really free agents. Uh, And, you know, it's not so much the fault of the CBA and more just the fact of the world that we live in today, the pandemic and how that has been affecting professional sports and revenues and all that stuff. But really, like all of these guys who are coming up for free agency, these contracts are going to be fascinating because they're not really going to be able to use the big payday, you know, contracts from other guys as comparisons anymore, because those contracts, like, you're not going to want to take a $10 million contract unless you're talking like real superstar quality. Um, It's going to be a lot harder for players to use current contracts as comparables, because it's just not going to make sense. Big contracts get handed out with the assumption that the cap is going to be rising on a consistent basis. And knowing that essentially for the next six years, the cap is going to be flat or have tiny increases at most means there's probably going to be a lot less big paydays coming up. The upcoming crop of free agents this season, next season is going to be really interesting to watch some of those big names and see what they end up going for and really see how that impacts the market. One other thing on free agency is that whole interview period where teams could start to call players and present their cases before the official start of the free agency signing period. That is gone. So all that nonsense with uh, John Tavares, where he like went and interviewed with like six different teams, all that stuff, that is not going to happen anymore. We're going to go back to the old days of like actual good old free agent frenzy on the first day of, of action of players not having been able to have those contacts anymore. So those are kind of the biggest things in there. Everyone's perspective is that this CBA needed to get done and that both sides didn't really get what they wanted because they sort of had to have a perspective on this one as it's bigger than just your standard CBA negotiations. This new agreement really is intended to get the league through the pandemic and to try to keep teams from going under or from having to disband or anything as we're seeing in, you know, the KHL is having teams drop out because of financial considerations. The NHL is trying to prevent that. So this CBA is really about keeping things going, getting things steady. So I'm just going to put it on my calendar for six years from now to see what happens because I think both sides left a lot undone in order to have any hopes of getting back to play and starting to get back to normal. With the new CBA, we do have a schedule. We have everything all mapped out for the Stanley Cup qualifying rounds for the playoffs and all that stuff. Play is going to begin on August 1st for this qualifying round. Training camps are opening today. Teams will be heading to their hub cities on the 26th. They'll be playing a couple of exhibition games and then going right into that qualifying round. August 10th is tentatively, given all things going well, when the phase two of the NHL draft lottery is going to happen. So that's when we'll find out who has that number one overall pick. And then the first round of the playoffs begins August 11th and things go from there. The Stanley Cup finals begin September 22nd with the Last possible day being October 4th. So if everything goes full seven games, October 4th is going to be when we're going to get a Stanley Cup awarded. And then the 2020 draft is going to be October 9th and 10th. All of these things basically have big, huge asterisks next to them because 
things could change at any moment, especially right now as we're seeing camps open, as we're seeing players uh, travel back to their team's cities to begin practices. We're already seeing spikes in numbers of players who are being held out, who are testing positive for COVID-19. The league is taking over all injury, wellness, whatever updates uh, in order to hopefully prevent people from knowing who is hurt and who actually has COVID-19. But because this is the world we live in, I guarantee all that stuff is going to be leaked out anyway, uh, no matter what. So sorry for your health privacy, guys, but leaks are going to leak, I guess. We're already seeing players also begin to opt out from returning to play uh, Travis Harmonic from the Calgary Flames was the first player uh, to opt out. We've also got Mike Green from Edmonton, Roman Polak from Dallas, who had already made clear that he was not going to be coming back to the United States. A couple guys who have already signed overseas and who were not really locks for playing in the NHL again anyway. Uh, and then we also have guys like Max Domi, who has decided to wait about seven to ten days before reporting to camp. Uh, He is, of course, diabetic and uh, is weighing his options and probably waiting to understand the situation a little little bit more. So we are seeing guys who have elected not to play, and I suspect that we're going to see more of them in the future, particularly as testing results keep coming back and more and more players start testing, especially because the league is not actually doing a bubble. If you go back to play, you don't have to quarantine, you don't have to do anything, you just can go live your life, and they're just asking you to like be responsible. But as we know, these guys can't can't do that necessarily because they think they're invincible. Who knows? But we've officially got some names on the list of guys who have affirmed they will not be participating as the league goes back into play, whether it's because of their own health condition, the health condition of a family member, a wife, a child, whatever. Um, A lot of guys are opting not to participate. So lots of news in the NHL right now, lots of news about what play is going to look like. And now we just have to cross our fingers and hope everything goes well, no one gets sick, and things get to go back to normal in a very, very not normal time. But there are teams out there helping to make things look normal again. And one of those is the New Jersey Devils, who I guess decided that since they don't get any of the spotlight of returning to play, that they should go ahead and make some big front office and coaching hires. So today on the show, right now, I've got Trey Matthews, the newest member of the Locked On Network, who is our New Jersey Devils host, and he is going to take us through all of the news about their front office and coaching changes. My name is Trey Matthews. I am the new host for Locked On Devils. I am currently living in Philadelphia. I was raised in Detroit, Michigan. I became a Devils fan through the help of my family that reside in New Jersey. They kind of brought me into the world of the New Jersey Devils. They would take me to other sporting events in New Jersey as well, including a Trenton Thunder game, which is the double-A minor league team for the New York Yankees. So I've been around the Brick City a lot. I am a rising junior at Adrian College. I am the play-by-play announcer for the ACHA Women's D1 Hockey program there. I love what I do. They're a great group of girls. I love the organization. And Uh, Now here I am on Locked On NHL. So that actually gives me my first question, which is you are from Detroit. You're now in a a Devils podcaster and covering the team. Would it have been better to stay a Red Wings fan or is there more hope on the horizon as a New Jersey Devils fan? Well, you know what the beauty is about about having affairs in both Michigan, Philadelphia and New Jersey is that, you know, 
I have a wide range of selections. So, but I'm going to be truthful with you. I was never really a Red Wings fan. I would still update them because, you know, they're, they're the hometown team and all. They have a great history. But I just have a closer connection with the Devils for a personal reason because some of my, my grandmother and aunt live in New Jersey. I, I'm a huge P.K. Subban fan because, you know, as an African-American, there's not too many African-Americans playing in the NHL. So when you, when you uh, look at uh, a predominant African-American figure playing – at that at that level, you, you look at someone like P.K. Subban, who's uh, won awards, been to All-Star, you know, just just everything you, you look for as an idol. So that's why I like that's why, you know, I just uh, lean towards them. But to answer your question even more full, the answer to that is no, I like where, where I'm at. And even though I still will update the Red Wings, I, I enjoy where the position I'm at right now. Well, you've certainly got enough news on your hands covering the Devils right now because I feel like they saw everyone getting excited about returning to play and playoffs and were like, well, we're not doing any of that. So let's have some other news instead with the recent announcement that they had officially named Lindy Ruff as their new head coach and also they uh, solidified the GM position by naming Tom Fitzgerald, uh, the new general manager of the New Jersey Devils. What was your like instant reaction to all of this? You know, I'm going to be nice because I don't know if we're on FCC airwaves or not. And I don't know if there are any kids viewing this. So I'll just use my manners, which is I was pretty angry about it. It was just like, I know he has a decent amount of track history but as i said in my show last friday which is you know the old saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks well you can't exactly teach a newborn puppy old dog tricks so it's like you know i don't know how he will fit helping our young our young uh, team so for anyone who is maybe not familiar with the lindy ruff history who had maybe possibly managed to like black out during some of his past stops in the nhl uh what can you kind of tell our listeners about why you don't think he's going to be the right choice for this team uh based off of his past kind of coaching history well it's not his winning he's one of the most winningest coaches in nhl history he has 736 of them I think that's sixth all-time on the all-time NHL wins list. It's just that if you look at his uh, teams, he was a longtime uh, coach for the Buffalo Sabres from 1997 through 2013. The problem is is that I'm seeing a lot of inconsistency about especially going to the playoffs. So you look when he began in the 90s, uh, 97 through millennium years of 2001, he went to the playoffs four straight times. But lately as eras change and – things start to develop, you saw the inconsistency of him missing the playoffs. And the, the thing about that is, is that I look at someone like LaViolette and Gallant, who, who have a great history of helping in this era, and I can elaborate on that more if you want, but it's just like, I would much rather would have preferred one of those two, because I, at least I know the type of system they can run that can just help this organization out. Because let's face it, we're not going to the Stanley Cup anytime soon, but just with a rough defensive mindset, it just doesn't fit in this era. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. 
and you sort of alluded to this as well by bringing up uh, Peter Laviolette and Gerard Gallant. Are they more the kind of coaches that you would have liked to see? Uh, for your ideal coach, uh, what would you have preferred the Devils uh, look for when they had hired for this position? Okay, so let's look at Gerard Gallant, shall we? This guy took the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup in their first year in the NHL ever. Like, that's impressive right there. They were heavy underdogs. No one expected them to go that far. I certainly didn't. And they went to the playoffs again. So, And then he was fired during the 2019-2020 season. But what I see is the past three years, he's gone to the playoffs twice. And, you know, not much struggle, especially with such a new organization, a new culture, a new everything that has a whole lot of ground to to just catch up in, in terms of trying to create their own dynasty, their own legacy, whatever the case might be, their own history. Uh, you look at what he did for the Florida Panthers. He was only there for two, two and a half seasons. He was fired in the middle of um, the 2016-2017 year campaign. He made the playoffs once, lost in the first round, but still you see the, the potential of a kind of coach he can be. And I just feel like he would have been a better fit because he's a former winger. He's a former NHL winger. He played for the Detroit Red Wings, my hometown team, for a good while. He can help develop our young wingers to be a great offensive unit. And that's what I was looking at. Also, uh, LaViolette, what more do I have to say? Coach Lavi's system is just excellent. Like, you're stuck with P.K. Subban's disastrous contract. You can't trade him. But why don't you bring his old coach in so maybe he can – get back to where he was, or at least try to get close to where he was. And, you know, LaViolette, he's gone to the Stanley Cup, has won a Stanley Cup, and in his five full years and five playoff appearances and took the Nashville Predators team to their first Stanley Cup in ever in franchise history. He won a Stanley Cup for, for the Hurricanes, Philadelphia, four full seasons with Philadelphia, and he took them to the playoffs three times including a Stanley Cup Finals. And New York Islanders, first two years as a coach, went to the playoffs. And as I stated, the, the Carolina Hurricanes won a Stanley Cup with them. So it's just like, I don't know. Like, what, what, what more can I say about Coach Lobby? Like, and he loves to work with rookies. Like, look what he did to Brobosti with, with the Flyers. Like, he took that Russian rookie and made him a great goalie. And look, we are a young organization, so why don't you take someone who has a great track history of helping veterans reach their – or try to, you know, how would I say this? Just keep that consistency and also help develop our young guys because the, the Devils were trying to contend and they failed. And is, is there any surprise that after they went to the Stanley Cup that they didn't make the playoffs for like, what, four or five more years? Lost in the first round to the Lightning, missed the playoffs again, tried to trade to uh, become contenders. And now it's like an opportunity comes that you could get a coach who would probably work better in, in this day and era. And yet you hire Lindy Ruff, whose defensive system just doesn't work in this era. I, I, I know it's not like a broken record I say this, but it's true. What do you think the motivation was for hiring? Do you think it was kind of financial? Do you think that it was harder to convince some of these other guys to come to Jersey just because of, you know, uncertainty around the team's progression? Um, what, what do you think kind of was their main motivation? Honestly, from what I've read, I think it was a money issue. I think LaViolette demanded a lot. So it's just like, I, I guess New Jersey was just a little too stingy to offer it to him. So uh, I wish I could go into more detail about it, but basically this is still new. So all I got is like it is that it was just a, a kind of a money move. As the interview process heated up, 
I think they just had more trust in Ruff and also like uh, Ruff, you know, let's face it, Ruff has been in the dirt the last few years, as you stated, due to what he did with Dallas, what he did with New York. So I think it was a money issue and just that's all I can tell you. Now, looking at their their move in the front office with Tom Fitzgerald, uh, what can you tell us about him uh, as a leader? What's his history with uh, the Devils organization? And do you think he's ready to take on this job of uh, essentially sort of rebuilding or restocking the team uh, around some of their young stars? Okay, Tom Fitzgerald, I have trust in him. I have trust in him that he can that, you know, if you're going to hire a new general manager, now's the time to do it when you're rebuilding when you you still have a a culture to establish you know he won a stanley cup in 2009 as director of player development with the pittsburgh penguins so it's like i i trust him that he has the experience to try to 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 try to you know get get this team where he needs to be uh he's been around a long time he's a former player played a while he's been around the executive offices of a lot of great organizations he was an assistant coach for the united states national team and i believe i forget where they came in i think they came in second i can't think they came in second that year but either way i have trust in him he he's been with the the new jersey Devils since i would want to say 2014 2015 so it's just it, it, i have the utmost trust in him and i think he can really um I think he did a good job of trading some pieces to try to get us better into a rebuild stage. And I think he did the best he could with what he was given. Uh, honestly, I think I think that was a good move. And I've heard uh, good responses from the fan base as well. So we have trusted him. Well, that is definitely good to hear, especially knowing how frustrating uh, it is to feel like the head coach decision was not necessarily the right one. Uh, kind of to wrap things up here, what do you think is the number one thing that uh, Fitzgerald and his new role as GM and the Devils should be looking at uh, over the sort of off season uh, eventually will hit free agency and new contracts? What do you think is kind of the biggest need of the Devils going into next season? Defense, defense, defense. We have one of the worst uh, defensive lines in all of the NHL, and honestly, uh, seeing what what Ruff did with the Rangers and their defensive uh, schemes, it really concerns me and it really scares me. But that's what we need. We need defense because if you look at uh, at the first six games for the Devils, it's not the scoring wasn't their problem. It was the defense because there's a reason why they dropped six games in a row because just the defense was atrocious. So what I'm looking for for the Devils, I see a lot of people saying get forwards, get you know, get get uh get wings, get centers, get someone who can pair well with Jack Hughes. But what I see is we need better defense, and I think that's what the main takeaway should be about this season because that's just what concerns me. Because if you look at the first six games, they lost to the Winnipeg Jets five to four in a shootout. They lost to the Buffalo Sabres, which is Ruff's old team, seven to two. The Philadelphia Flyers, four to nothing. Edmonton Oilers, four to three in a shootout. The Boston Bruins, three to nothing. And the Florida Panthers, six to four. Are you starting to see it? Yeah, they got shut out twice by the Bruins and the Flyers. But look at that Buffalo Sabres game, seven to two. Look at those shootout games, five to four for the first one, four to three for the second one. The Florida Panthers game, six to four. Defense. And then later in the season, they played the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lost seven to six in overtime. Yeah, you scored six goals. That's great. But you gave up seven goals. That's unacceptable. So 
my main takeaway for this offseason, they have the seventh overall pick in the draft. My my, my main takeaway is defense. You got to figure out, you got to tighten up your defense and just do better. So that's my main takeaway, and that's what I want to see. I just want to see. I, I guess they got a defensive coach, and but you know I, I think they got the wrong defensive coach. You know you, you got to work with what you got with. So that's my main takeaway: just defense, 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 because that's what wins you championships. That's what the New Jersey Devils have been known for. There's a reason why they have five retired jersey numbers, and four of them are in the Hall of Fame for their defense: Niedermeyer, Steven, Brudor, defense. That's what the Devils are known for, and unfortunately that's become their burden in this generation. Well, thanks so much for breaking it all down. We'll definitely have to check back in as summer goes along and uh, teams start addressing needs to see if they fill your fill your dream of uh, addressing their defense issues. So for all of our listeners out there uh, on the Locked on NHL show, uh, can you let them know where they can find you and where they can find your podcast out on the internet if they want to learn more? All right, so... It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any podcast uh, device you use. Just type in Locked On Devils. I've already uploaded four episodes, so check it out. I'm having so much fun. I appreciate the opportunity. I can't wait to see what the future holds. So check on, just, just check on Locked On Devils. My name is Trey Matthews. If you want to check me out on Twitter, my Twitter is TreyMath4. Instagram is Trey Emery Matthews. So just Just hit me up if you have any other questions. Thanks for the opportunity, Sarah. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Trey for jumping on the show to talk to me about the devil's big moves. If you liked what you hear from me, you can find me on Twitter at right said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E said Sarah with an H. You can find this show on Twitter at Locked on NHL. Make sure you give us a follow so you never miss an episode and go subscribe while you're at it if you haven't done that yet. We are available in basically any podcast app. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those places. Go find us, hit the big subscribe button, and you'll get all of the episodes delivered directly to you. While you're there, go ahead and leave a rating or a review if you like what you're hearing on this show. If you are excited about listening to this podcast uh, from me or from any of our other hosts who deliver you shows throughout this week, go ahead and leave a review so people get to know what your thoughts are on this show. Until next time, this has been Locked on NHL, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.